It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your host, me, Chucky G. Because there's no Karen Frazier tonight because she is off doing other things. But tonight, my super sidekick, my super co-host, Miss Cheryl Knight, will be joining us. Good evening, Cheryl. Hi. How's it going? Good, good. I'm excited for to talk yeah. to our guest tonight. So you ready to roll with me? I am. All right, cool. We don't have any visual cues though, because I can't see you. I just oh, I see your smiley face picture, but that's you all can, I see. So. You can pretend like that's me in, in, that's in okay. real life. I'm a professional. I think I could do this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we have up, and I'll, hopefully I will pronounce his name correctly. If not, he could just beat me up later. Uh, Mr. David Campion, 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 Campion. I'm not really sure, but I say it both ways, so I cover it. He's the author of UFO spacecraft identification manual which is actually pretty darn interesting to me because you know i've i, I you know i guess i've i've always thought i've never really thought oh yeah there's lots of different ki-. well you know you know there's different kinds because you hear oh there's a triangular one there's a saucer one there's right. you know all these different kinds but i just guess never just put two and two together and that someone would actually be smart enough to go hey you know what i'm gonna write a manual about this and explain the differences and then maybe the connections to the alien species and so, there's just so much we can talk about don't you think yeah and i'm actually looking at david's book right now and there are 53 rep- drawings of mm. representations of the different types of ufos you, you said 53 yeah i can think of about five <laughs> yeah wow okay well then i guess we're gonna have a lot to talk about aren't we folks so what's what's happening in the the life of shale night these days hmm? what's going on well um just just busy working you know fun stuff like that uh mm-hmm. getting ready to go visit my home state of california next month excited to do that oh yeah why are we going there you know, have a little fun, uh, get married, go to Disneyland. Like <laughs> I'm sorry, you said, did you say get married? I did. I said that. Yes. Oh, going to make an honest woman. Chad's going to make an honest woman out of you, isn't he? <laughs> I'm going to make an honest man out of him. Whoa, way to twist it around there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. congratulations, damn it. And Thank it's you. right around my birthday, too, isn't it? The day before your birthday. Dun, 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 dun. Look at that. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank I you. wish I could say it was something is, is exciting happening over here, but I can't. Oh, <laughs> there's got to be something. something. Uh, well, let's see. I fixed my car window switches today. That's exciting. Ooh. I saved myself a little money there because they wanted to charge me. Like, I, I go to the guy. I'm like, hey, so if I get, like, the switches, you know, I mean, how much would it cost me? Yeah, about 50 bucks. Okay. It took, like, two seconds to put in the one on the passenger <laughs> side and about another two seconds to put the one on the driver's side. Yep. <laughs> yep. It cost me, like... $50 for both switches. And it's basically put a screwdriver in because my car's so old. It's a 95. So everything's real yeah. simple. You just put the screwdriver in, pop it open, flip it over, unplug the thing, put the new in, and poof, done. So there you go. Hey, so that was exciting. That is right? exciting. You saved money mm-hmm. and you I fixed got some, your car. And you, sorry, what? And you fixed your car. 
Yes, I fixed my yeah. Now my windows go up and down. I don't have to run the air conditioning anymore. Because I'll tell you, they say they say that it doesn't take gas. They lie. Because my <laughs> gas went down so fast by running the air all the time because it yeah. was really really hot. I mean, not now. Now it's nice. We're in the we're in like it's weird. We're like went from summer like eighties nineties to fall weather. It's like really cool. My, oh, which is I great, love you know? fall. Fall. Mm-hmm. So nice. Yeah. I I love fall. But I don't love what comes after fall. That's the W word. Winter? Ew. Yes, you said it. I don't like winter <laughs> at all. I like fall. I, I love Halloween, my favorite holiday. Yeah. And then right after that, all hell breaks loose. It goes downhill from there with winter and snow and Christmas. That's what I feel about that. Yeah. I'm not a Christmas person, so I don't know. Hey, well, were you in were you in Tennessee last year for Christmas, or is this your first yes, Christmas? Yes, no. Um, okay. We were. Um, oh, there's my phone. Oh, oh hello. That's nice. Hello, who's there? Hello, operator. <laughs> operator, this is Chuck. May I help you? I just ignore it. Um, and then I ha- and yeah, hold on. Um, we were here for 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 Christmas. It was cold. Mm-hmm. And it was cold. Uh, oh yeah, did, did it have snow, or was there snow, or no? Yeah, snow, ice storm, all sorts of interesting things. Um, well, I remember the, I remember the flurries, and Chad was trying to take pictures, but I couldn't see the flurries. So. Yeah, he, oh, oh, yeah. It's like, at first I was really crazy, like little tiny snowflakes would come down, and I'd get my camera yeah. out and run all around through the snowflakes <laughs> and get silly. And then the real snow started, and that mm-hmm. was crazy and intense. And then, of course, we had the ice storm, which was terrible. Oh, yeah. Ice storms are always wonderful, aren't they? Little black eyes to cheer up your days. You're spinning in circles going down the road. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah. So, good times. You know. Good times. Hey, yeah, good times. Good times. Little black eyes. Always good times, folks, you know. Yeah. So, anyways, um, oh, look at it in chat. And I'm yep. just going to say this. Uh, JP's in chat, of course, because she's my buddy. She said, Yay. I should be getting my package any day now. I have to explain what I'm talking about just yes, so people understand. She sent me a package with some cool stuff. She showed me some stuff and sent me some stuff because I sent her some stuff. I sent her a panda, a uh, panda and a CD. So now she's oh. sending me stuff back because I, I love Jessica. She's awesome. She's my buddy. Yes, she is. So anyways, um, so I guess we could we could roll right into the uh, the news if you'd like. Would you roll into that? Yeah, we let's do it. All right, hit it. When the world gets weird and things don't make any sense, it's news of the strange and the odd. Okay, yeah, this is definitely news of the strange in the ad. Okay, so the first one is just kind of weird because I'll read the story and you tell me what you think, okay? All right. The, the title is Man Armed with a Gun Drawn on a Piece of Paper Tries to Rob a Bank. That is correct. A 33-year-old British man has pleaded guilty to attempted robbery after threatening a bank cashier in Poland with a gun that was drawn on a piece of paper. The unnamed man attempted to carry out the heist on a... August 11th in the Polish capital of Warsaw. He entered the bank on uh, the Central Avenue at 9 a.m. And, and marched straight up to one of the cashiers. The man then pulled out a piece of paper from his pocket, revealing a drawing of a gun to the female employee. He then brandished a second sheet of paper on which he had written a warning in broken Polish, saying, This is a robbery. I have a gun. Give me all your money. The woman calmly told the man to wait at the back of the queue, and the Briton 
duly obliged. In the meantime, the cashier called the police, and the would-be assailant was arrested shortly after. Polish police have provided few details on the Briton, only saying he had lived in Germany for a year and he had only been in Poland for a few hours <laughs> before robbing the ro- trying to rob the bank. The failed robber now faces up to 12 years behind bars. Seriously? Aww. Seriously? I... <laughs> You're going to go, I don't even understand this. So you're going to go to jail for 12 years because you had a gun on a piece of paper and tried to rob a bank. Is that just me or is that just plain old stupid? I I feel bad for the guy, actually. (laughs) I don't know. I mean. I know. It's like, I, it's like, you know, dude, if you're going to like get 12 years in, in behind bars or whatever, at least have a real gun or something or even like a toy. I mean. Did they understand that the guy was probably not, not all there if he had like a gun on a piece of I paper? I would imagine that could be correct. Um, and, the fa- and, and the fact that he just went and sat down while she said, "Hey, I go sit down. I'll go get you your money." Really? So, I mean, is that a? I mean, if it's not a real, if it's a drawing of a gun, is that like a felony? <laughs> yes, like, yeah. what? I don't know. It's not. You don't really have a gun, right? I know. So how a, could it be? I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's saying he was going to rob the bank. But they had a, you have to put it, I mean, the lawyer's going to have a pretty decent Robbery. case because, you know, yeah. I mean, the guy really didn't have a gun. How is he really going to get the money from the people? And he went and sat down while the lady just said, hang on, and then went and called the cops. I think I think there's some serious uh, hospital time there is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Wow, that's a bizarre, odd story. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, say, what? Mm-hmm. So... All right, so so now we're going to roll into some that sort of connect to with, with our get uh, what our our guest subject or topic is this evening. Mm-hmm. All right, this one is technology changing our cultural attitudes towards you know towards things in general. Like, all right, this comes from mysteriousuniverse.org, August fourteenth. Mika Hanks wrote this, so uh, it's it's part of what they wrote. All right, drones and UFOs, okay? It's hard to deny the growing association between two subjects, particularly in recent years when more and more reports of supposedly anomalous aerial phenomena have been chucked up to being possible drone sightings. One incident that occurred in May of 2012 involved the FAA officials investigating unidentified object or aircraft that came dangerously close to colliding with a commercial airliner in Denver, Colorado. According to both pilots, the FFA reports the object purportedly resembled a large, remote-controlled aircraft. Now we have something in controlled airspace that poses a danger, Denver Area Aviation Analyst Greg Feith said at the time. It was unclear that the object had been, although it had been suspected by many at times, the object may indeed have been a drone. A recent article in the Huffington Post by Jeffrey Schaefer discusses a drone sighting he had, which led him to consider whether the broad use of drones today is diminishing the effort of USO, sorry, USO, UFO research. The evidence pool is being polluted by ever-increasing presences of small, sophisticated flying machines that are totally terrestrial in origin. Uh, it won't be long before drones become... Default explanations for every shiny speck or glowing orb that transverses the wild blue yonder. It also presents an array of new opportunities for UFO-related pranks and hoaxes. So when I I heard about the story, and I was like, you know, besides the fact I can't say UFO for some reason, (laughs) um, uh, you know, the connection between drones and UFOs, I was like, wow, I never really put the two and two together. And that really does make a lot of sense that, it could really screw things up and be hard for them to, you know, just 
differentiate between the two and then you know people could just be throwing you know you know drones up there go ahead let's fake it out but to me that part i don't really worry about because people have been winging things in the air and taking pictures and doing that crap forever you know what i mean oh yeah great oh yeah yeah totally it's just another another possible uh thing to throw out there um, Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean the drone thing's pretty i never really thought about that but that really could mess things up as far as um trying to figure out what's what wouldn't you think yeah i mean you think it, or no? it could it could um it's okay you don't have to agree with me <laughs> influence it but i i mean how big are they really well i don't know but that's what i mean like drones to me are like these tiny little things you know what i mean yeah i guess it depends uh, on how big you know, they like are. hand size or whatever yeah yeah but i mean i suppose if they made big ones but then but then, see but then we're just back into the we're just faking right. ufos that's true right yeah I mean, you know, we're putting up a, or, you know, like a, you could buy a, you could probably buy a stinking UFO, a remote controlled UFO yeah. and fly it in the air. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't, I mean, I understand what they're trying to say. Uh, if you're trying to figure out what's really a drone and what's really a UFO, but if it's saying that, you know, oh, gee, it's going to fake people out. I mean, come on, you know, mm-hmm. they've been doing that forever. So I don't know. Yeah, but, but I'm thinking drones are pretty distinct looking, and I mean, you know, they're not going to be too far away. I just think maybe you could tell what it is, but who knows? I would, yeah, I would think so, but you know, you never know. I mean, yeah. it's just like UFO sometimes. Well, it's UFO, no, it's not a UFO, and you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just found it to be darn interesting. So, and then the last one I had was, um, this is from a while back, but I remember this, and I forgot to. I wanted to talk about. It. It's a three thousand year old alien mummy was found. Okay, so this happened like years ago, I think Mm -hmm. years ago, like 2001 or something like that. But uh, they found the mummified remains of an apparent strange humanoid creature that had been found in northern Germany near where the 3600 year old nebula sky disk was found in 2001. Okay, so the mummified remains have been described by researchers as alien in appearance, shown to have human and non-human characteristics. They observed that the creature would have stood about three to three point five feet tall. No outward sign of genitalia were found. The origin and anomaly, uh, the abnormal, the abnormalities. My God, are you okay tonight, Chuck? I'm like, I, I, I could, uh, uh. yes, I have not been drinking. <laughs> abnormalities. There we go. Found in the remains have triggered intense investigation by German researchers. I saw the picture. You can't see the picture, but the, the picture is actually pretty creepy. Okay. Uh, the nebula sky disk is a blue green bronze disk inlaid with gold symbols. It is the oldest accurate depiction of the night sky ever found. The first representation of the universe in human history. The markings are generally recognized as the sun and the stars, including a cluster interpreted as the Pallades. Two golden arcs along the sides mark the angles between the solstices. A final addition was another arc at the bottom surrounding with multiple strokes interpreted as the sun and ship with numerous oars. Found near that, which I found pretty interesting because... Um, I've seen a lot of, you know, supposed, and I put my air quote fingers up, of uh, alien beings, you know? Like, mm-hmm. remember when they had that thing on TV where it was like, we have a real alien being, they're going to cut it open. Yeah. Remember it was on, like, the Fox Alien autopsy. Like that? Yeah, that was yep. it. Um, and, uh, you know, so all that stuff has always happened. But uh, I mean, this one looked really interesting. The only other interesting one I've ever seen that I found to be, like, 
and it's from a TV show, believe it or not, with Destination Truth, which I really liked, Destination Truth mm-hmm. with Joshua, uh, Josh Gates, yes. um, where they found this little humanoid thing wrapped up, and they they really couldn't figure out what it was. And then they went outside, and there was, like, these light shows, and it looked like ships taking off. And, I mean, you know, okay, I know it's TV and all that, but it sure looked real to me as far as I believe I, I believe in him to be an honest person, so uh, television or not. So uh, I found that to be pretty cool. But, I mean, why couldn't we find bodies of alien beings, you know? But, I mean, then then you go, well, then why can't we find Bigfoot bodies, right? Right, right. I mean, I, I, I think because what makes the most sense to me is the whole interdimensional theory um, and that they come, you know, in and out and maybe they go somewhere else when they die but it would make sense that that it, it's possible that you would find them because not 100 percent, you know would 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 leave before mm-hmm. death right. so that makes sense right. um interesting well yeah you, you you would think that i'm sorry no i'm just saying you would think that you're right they would be either smart enough to remove the <laughs> their own bodies of people or you know so i can like when you're talking interdimensional you're saying right. they just they grab their deceased and take them somewhere else is that you're saying or? uh that that's one possible explanation okay. uh yes okay. and uh or they 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 leave before they die either way they they aren't left behind mm-hmm. right exactly so i mean i find that to be pretty darn interesting Good so stuff. i mean that's that's i mean that's all i really have uh as far as the news though i could not actually speak this evening with the news for some reason <laughs> i was doing really good with like all the big words and then i just got one i word i just couldn't <laughs> well i think i understood about half of what you were saying there chuck no i'm just kidding <gasps> what do i have to read it again no 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 not necessary <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, that was pretty clear, wasn't I? No, yeah, it was. Out. That last story was a little rough, yeah. but <laughs> the mummy oh, one, yeah. But well, but interesting. Part wasn't, I mean, it was. They found the creature. He didn't have any genitalia. He was really short. And then they went into the the Nebra sky. Disc, Where can we see which, a picture of that? If if by um, chance you can we go to, like to. Paran, paranormics dot com. Paran, yeah, P A R A N O R M I C s.com and just look up 3000 year old mummy and you can and see you said it. the it's author the, of that one was no this there was no author for that no one author it just for had that the, one. yeah okay the other All one right. had an author the first um, one had i like sometimes when i get the stories and there's like no author yeah where'd it come where'd from where'd it come from <laughs> so yeah. i just go all right well i'll just roll with it because that's what it says so you know but so yes. i want to read the back of the book cover um fine okay uh, david's book cover And uh, because we're going to be talking to him shortly, it says on the back cover, in 2014, scientists discovered a way to harness sun energy into a vacuum box. Their theory is to learn how to apply this energy to a spacecraft. They would be able to achieve speeds to 600 and... Am I right? God, I need my glasses. This is good. 660 million miles per hour. Just think of the possibilities of our solar system travels and way beyond. Unfortunately, these scientists say it will be about 100 years before it can actually happen. Lunch on Jupiter? That would be interesting. What would you say? What lunch on Jupiter? On lunch on Jupiter. We shall Whoa, that would be kind of cool. In 100 years yeah, but- on Jupiter. Yeah, well, see, I have the I have the issue with okay, if we're going six hundred some miles. How do you keep the G force from like ripping your face off or flattening you like a pancake? 
That's just a like, part. How, yeah. That's you know, like how question. do you balance that inside the ship? That was that was the whole thing for me. Because, huh? you know, when you're driving like 200 miles an hour in a, a race car, you know. Yeah. It's like, you know, pushing against your face. So how do you offset that? So that would be an interesting question to ask. Yes, for sure. But I like the vacuum. I never thought about that. That's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Um. That it, yeah, and if you, if you go that fast, but see, then, then then here's what a lot of people have to say about that. Okay, so a lot of people say instead of you speeding along at whatever thousands of miles an hour or whatever, um, why couldn't you just in a blink of an eye just uh disappear and reappear? You know what I mean? Like yeah. wormhole it or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Sort of like spirits do. You know where they pop up from one side to the other. They just slip between the dimensions or mm-hmm. slip between light or whatever, or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, and move from one to another, then you could really just, you could go anywhere. You could go all over the place. Sure. So I, I, that'd be fascinating. That would be another interesting question to ask him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm still definitely interested about these different spaceship things and stuff. Did you ever see the Phoenix lights? Did you, ever, did you ever see the DVD or the, whatever the story about the Phoenix Lights where it was over Arizona yes. and like everybody in the world, or everybody, not everybody in the world, but everybody in Arizona saw it. I mean, government officials, um, giant ships uh, with lights oh, yeah. just like blatantly out in the sky. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. I, then I love how they try to explain it. Oh, it's just, you know, uh, you're yeah. really going to say it's a weather balloon. That's one big ass weather balloon. Well, um, one of the the researchers of the phenomena, Dr. Lynn Katai, was on Paranormal Underground Radio, and oh, it's been years now, I think. But um, she also did a documentary, which was very interesting, and uh, it's about obviously about the Phoenix Phoenix Lights mm-hmm. and what happened, what happened after the fact as well, which was pretty interesting because you know people who were joking around about it at the time, making light of it, uh, you know. To, government officials even later said yeah something happened it wasn't what we said uh so you know yeah i mean come on you can't let's it gets to the point where all right you know covering up sounds stupider than the than the real thing you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. really i can't i can't swallow that anymore than you know um did she say right so they were saying that basically it it was the real deal in other words something was happening yeah and it wasn't just flares you know falling from the sky it wasn't something like that it was air spacecraft unidentified spacecraft that was clearly mm-hmm. visible moving in a way that it shouldn't have been able to move um multiple sightings um many many different witnesses and uh it's 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 just it's almost silly the way that they tried to just blow it off like it was nothing Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's just like Skinwalker Ranch or anything right. else. Let's just like make up all these crazy stories, which sound even more crazier than what's really happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people just swallow that. It's like, no, you know. But here's here's what I always think about. Don't think about Roswell. Yeah. All right, you know, like you know, they always say if you step over that line where that thing is, they'll shoot you on sight. Yeah. So why hasn't there been like some crazy militant giant like army just storm in there and try to find out what's going on? Why hasn't that happened? Well, um, but probably because it's illegal, and they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to either one die or two well, go, I, go well, to I know jail for it's illegal. A, a I'm just saying, if they're militants, they don't give a crap if it's illegal. Just storm in there. Well, Let's find what's the going thing. on. They're not going to get very far, Chuck. They're you don't not. think so? No. You no. think it's that well protected? Oh, that sure. well guarded? Yeah, for sure. 
Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. I don't know. I think he could figure some way to get Or maybe be, I don't know. We need some stealth, invisible <laughs> things. Chuck, you so scare can... me. <laughs> you scare me, Chuck. <laughs> the stealth thing. We can get in there and find out what the hell's going on. Because I really yeah. want to know. You know, because you watch all these programs and they're watching with like telescopes and you see the planes landing that don't have the, the markers on them because all planes have to have markers. So if these planes don't have markers, well, and they're bringing in, you know, employees that work there. Oh, it's just, well, it's employees crazy. have talked. I mean, um, Bob Lazar, of course, he was highly discredited, but but then people say, well, of course, they're going to find a way to discredit him because they're trying oh. to discredit his story. And he yeah. says that what they were working on was not it was extraterrestrial in nature. So you do have a few people that talk. Um, I, you know, many don't because of fear out of fear, but well, I think we need yeah. to get some good spies that can infiltrate and come out with all the information. Yeah. If they can infiltrate anywhere else, another country, they could infiltrate this place. Uh, if the government is now listening, I in no way endorse <laughs> Chucky e. G's plan at this moment. Thank you. And goodbye. Yeah, I'll be like, Socio, what the, <laughs> what happened to Chuck? Where the hell did Chuck go? go? All of a sudden, hear the doors opening. Hey, hey, what's going on? Oh, oh, oh. And I'm gone. And the black came and got me. Yep. Don't answer your door after dark. <laughs> oh, they know. They're like, that Chuck guy, he couldn't do squat. What's he going to do? He lives in his son's basement for crying out loud. How much harm can he be? Yeah. But then again, you know. We know you're harmless. I know. I just, I just want to know. You know, it doesn't. Everybody yeah. wants to know what's going on. You know, I mean, I think we have a right to know as Americans, or just I as is in the world. You know? I completely agree. I think I'd love to hear da our guest David's um, mm -hmm. uh, opinion on disclosure and if and when it will happen. And uh, well, uh, yeah. and just think about this. Okay, he writes a book on all these spacecraft identification man all the stuff right mm -hmm. so how come people don't come after people like him you know you go hey well, hey 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 don't be like you know who says too much they haven't what who says they haven't uh well, i don't know because he's either. still here and alive i would assume he they haven't i mean well, usually pretty much if they him. want it done they're going to get it well, done let's right? ask him if he's gotten any pushback from anyone Another good question. Well, so there we have all the good questions. And I, I heard, by the way, you have like 5,000 questions. <laughs> is that correct? 5,000? Yeah, I have five, literally 5,000. No, I've, I've, uh -huh. I've written down quite a few questions, though. I well, I, I, can't, I can't seem to speak this evening, so I'm just going to let you roll with it. So, Well. Is that, is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Whatever yeah, you want to sure. do. Okay. Cheryl's like, <laughs> if we can have a break, I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> No, yeah. no, no. All right. Well, let's let's do this. Let's go to break, and then we're going to hook up with Mr. Dave, and we're going to bring him back, and we're just going to suck his brain of all the information he has. How's that? All right. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on the Hazy Radio Network. We're going to break, and then we shall return with our guest. Hey everyone, it's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Fraser. I'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the Dark with Karen Fraser and Chucky G. We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in 
spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests. So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on hazyradio.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you, too, can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com, or you can visit my website at AuthorKarenFraser.com. While cutting molding with a 12-inch dual-compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face-to-face with a congregation of alligators, with the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line... There are a million places you'd never consider texting. So why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking you to please stop the text. And together, we can stop the wrecks. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at stoptextstoprex.org. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hi, this is Amy Allen from The Dead Bottles, and you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. All righty, we are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your host, me, Chucky G, and my psychic this evening, Miss Cheryl Knight. And I'm going to correct the correct way to say Mr. David's name, which is David Campione. Hi, David. How you doing? I'm doing great, Chuck and Cheryl. Thanks for uh, having me on. Oh, and thanks for coming. We, uh, we have Cheryl has 5,000 questions, so... Um, <laughs> Be ready. <laughs> I can only answer four thousand. I'm sorry. I know. I don't think we have enough time for five thousand. Right, it's I'll not cut, really that I'll long of a show. So, but you know, we'll do what we can. Um, so, first, I guess uh, my first question would be: Is like most people would ask you, I guess, is uh, David? How did this all start? I mean, wh- what was wh- what was in your head? Like, you know, as far as you know, what I'm going to start identifying all these different crafts and spaceships and writing a book about it. I mean, what? what how did that get started? Well, the whole thing got started through my father, basically. <clears throat> Actually, uh, not basically, but he started, he, he read in, uh, in, I guess it was Fate or True magazine back in the late 1940s mm-hmm. uh, that Major Don Kehoe had 
term flying saucers, where they saw spacecraft. And um, he, they said that they was, tr um, let's see, they had it on radar at doing about 18,000 miles per hour within our atmosphere. And uh, then my father just started doing research and a lot of research in the area that he lived in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia and then over into New Jersey. Uh, the identifications came from people who, he became like the local UFO person to go to if you had a sighting or you needed information on it, uh, the media or uh, any print media, the TV or the radio uh, people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he, more and more people started contacting him. And then these illustrations that he has uh, that are in my book that he put the put together were from what people experienced, what they've actually seen uh, craft. And that was the sighting, the witnesses description of the craft that they experienced. Okay. Um, so so it was it wasn't just his own visuals. It was uh, visual. Uh, well, the the. Uh, the uh, identification by other people of what they right. saw. Awesome. Okay. Gotcha. Right. It was uh, through his research. He did. He had. I think he did like twenty some thousand uh, uh, interviews with people who had sightings in in the Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey, which they call the Delaware Valley. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, even uh, uh, at times that they actually chased. There's an area called the New Jersey Pine Barrens. And they actually, there was a lot of UFO activity out there, and uh, they they went out and uh, even found a community out there, Chuck. <laughs> really? Uh, well, it's interesting to me because you know when I first when I first heard about your book and everything, I was thinking, you know, well, to me, I'm thinking I can think of about seven different kinds of UFOs according to what I you know know because which is not much, you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> I heard that there's quite a lot of different uh, kinds of crafts that are out there. Um, now, is each craft have its own reason for being, I guess, you know, uh, I mean, its own, um, you know, why, it, why is this one like saucer shaped? Why is this one like triangular shaped? I mean, there's reasons for that all. Is as, that correct? As far as I know, there is, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, most of them are through, uh, evolution development as the people progress also and then, and then go out and do their uh, ex exploration and uh, throughout these uh, solar systems and the universe or the galaxies, the different mm -hmm. galaxies. I, that's the only thing that we can figure out why there's different um, types of uh, craft that are constructed. Some are nuclear powered. Some are powered by uh, what they call anti-gravity. I have, I've never been on one. I've never been. It's never been explained to me. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there are some that um, that we've been told, or we had uh, information on that they uh, they just uh, travel by thought. <laughs> so really? Somehow, somehow they sat in a seat, and they all uh, were able to take a craft. Like if you if you wanted to go to um, oh I don't know I mean I, I can just uh, cite that's on the cover of the book the uh, the craft from Como Bernices. You could uh, the three of us we could sit in a craft and say and. and Focus on Como Bernice's spiral galaxy, and poof, we're there. Wow. Well, we were, Cheryl, I, we were talking about, remember, Cheryl, when you yeah. we were saying about, um, like, some of our, what, what, 600 miles an hour? Was that what you were saying? 600 miles 600 an hour? 600 what, what was it? 660 million miles per hour? Yeah, this is our people. This is the scientists on our planet here who have just, uh, within the past 10 months, have just did this. They just 
found some way, I guess it was in Texas, where that collider is that they have there, the mm-hmm. super collider, and somehow they figured out a way to capture light in a vacuum box. And I'm just going on what the scientists said, where they'll be able to to travel to them, uh, well, 660 million miles per hour. I mean, that's pretty fast, but they're going to need a craft that's going to be able to withstand that. And speed somehow. Yeah, well, we, were, we I had talked about that. It's like, well, I don't understand like how internally, if you're in the ship, like you could even handle that because you right. know we talk about race cars and they go a couple hundred miles an hour, so you got yeah. those G's going against you. I mean, do you have any thought process on how that would all work, or you know, no, what I mean, as I, far as like not killing you? <laughs> no, I I have no clue. I don't I don't know how somebody can. Uh, uh, which was fascinating. Which is fascinating to me that it could could come from Coma Bernices, which is uh, through uh, M60 it, mm-hmm. through the Astronomical Society uh, designation of where the spiral galaxy is. How they can come 450 million miles and contact some auto mechanic in Al- in Albuquerque, New Mexico, to meet them out in the desert. I mean. And then after he, he met with them a few times, they uh, they told him the only person that he could trust with the information with the photographs would be my father. So, I mean, I, I don't understand how that actually happens, but it did. Mm-hmm. Well, now, what, quite, yeah, sorry. No, it's okay. Go ahead. Finish. No, I was just going to say it's quite the uh, UFO lottery that this man hit. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, so I'm interested in like some of the spacecraft identification, like that. Like, what's the is it most is the most common UFO the flying saucer UFO that style? Is that the most common, or is there something that's more common than that? Well, I I would say that's what <clears throat> that's what people conceive that they've seen is the uh, is the flying saucer type for the smaller craft, but they're circular plus the the little monitoring craft that they uh, send out up to. Uh, one foot, two foot, three feet in diameter, which they'll they'll do surveys uh, on the on a certain environment where before they land, so that they know that if they're going to actually land and put pods down, uh, mm-hmm. landing gear down, that the that the ground will support it. So that just seems like the uh, the normal one. But then we got the larger ones, which are the cigar shaped, and uh, which they call the mothership. So it's there's different sizes, and they're up to 10 miles in length that have been uh, recorded. Well, there you go, Cheryl. See, he was just talking about the smaller ships that come down and do the surveying, like yeah. one foot. So we were talking yeah. about, because we we were talking about, and when I do like the news at the beginning of the show, I don't know if you were listening, but about drones versus UFO crafts. Right, mm-hmm. right. How it's getting harder to distinguish between the two. But so in essence, those could just be drones for UFO crafts. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a. Uh, it's. I think the next book I, I'm going to when I put it out, it's going to be mostly all photographs that Mr. Villa had taken. But there's a series which I, I've given in the slide presentation and on my uh, uh, DVD. The um, the balls of like this, like a stainless steel ball. You know, mm-hmm. it's maybe three inches in diameter, and he's out in the desert. And then all of a sudden, there's a flash of light, light, light um, that the ball explodes, and all of a sudden, this monitoring craft about three feet in diameter appears, and it's just hovering, and it even lands. And Paul goes up and photographs it. Right, it goes. He gets so close to it that it goes out of focus. It's basically out of focus, but it's there. <laughs> this little craft, three feet, wow. a little monitoring craft, like wow. a. 
So I have a question about, we were just talking about the most common types of crafts, crafts uh, witnessed. Has that cha- seemed to change at all over the years um, as far as the frequency of the different types witnessed? No, I, um, from what I have so, uh, surmised is the majority of the people in the United States and part most of the world, I guess I could say more global, have seen the circular craft. Now, for whatever reason, in this uh, Philadelphia and southern New Jersey area, those people seen a variety of designs of craft. Porpoise-looking, uh, I mean, an octagon-shaped craft. I mean, it's just, uh, oh, it has 53 illustrations in the book, and it's just, why in that area? I have no idea. Well, do you think it, you know, there? Ha- well, we understand there has to be all sorts of different alien races, correct? Right, correct. So, so is the do the ships' styles maybe have connections to the different races? I know you're saying how some are more evolved than others, but do you think it's maybe just the style for the race? Uh, that's quite possible, uh, Chuck. I yeah, I guess I could yeah, I could say that. Um, some people the these the specific craft that came from uh, Como Bernices. The uh, when it when it landed or it didn't land it just hovered above the ground a, a couple of feet and the and the beams came out uh, and physically met Mr. Villa. Uh, they were between uh, seven and nine feet tall, five men, four women, perfectly proportioned human appearance, just like uh, we are. Only mm-hmm. only like a like a large basketball team is what uh, I can surmise on <laughs> the size wow. of these people. Uh-huh. And, uh, he says they were all um, uh, they weren't they were all Caucasian, um, uh, blue eyed, brown eyed, uh, mostly mostly blonde, uh, the blonde hair and uh, and the light brown hair on on the women. And he Paul took the photos of the people, and he was told he's not a, allowed to release them until they tell him. Well, he passed on, so they never told him, and. His wife uh, burned all the negatives and all the prints that Mr. Villa had because she thought they were going to become uh, multimillionaires from this. Wow! Oh. No, wait, that's you want to you want to field the question, Cheryl? You want me to? Um, okay. Yep, I can. Uh, Billy sure. from SSPR um, is asking: Would the technology that we have to use our phones' cameras to make it appear that our phones are seeing? Or see-through, excuse me. Why wouldn't UFO technology have something similar to hide their existence? I, I don't, I don't get it. The see-through technology, I'm, I'm, I'm lost on what he's, what they're trying to convey here. Hmm. Uh, I think he's talking like, you know, like why don't they just cloak themselves so that? Well, they don't? do. Yeah, I have uh, uh, in the slide presentation that I put on my DVD. There is actually uh, three, three black and white photographs of a, of a ring, and then it, uh, it, and it just shows in the third, the third image on uh, where it cloaked itself. Okay. It's wow. There. Yeah, up in the clouds. So yeah, they do that. They can do that. Well, the craft that uh, one of the crafts that I saw years ago out in uh, on the California border in Nipton, California, near Nipton, California, which is on the Nevada um, west of Las Vegas and uh, on the California border, and we were driving along at a high rate of speed, and I looked off into the distance and I I said to my wife, I said, "Stop, go! You can't believe it." I thought I actually thought it was an airplane crashing. It looked like it was a oh, mile wow. long with no wings, 
and it was black and had the tail. Mm-hmm. The, the fuselage didn't see any windows or portals, and then um, and then it just like disappeared. Now, this thing was, you know, we we're out on the highway, on the main highway, heading back to Las Vegas to get, uh, to get our plane. And uh, I said, well, let's just drive out in the desert and see if we can see where to, you know, look around and see if anything. So we, from where where we were and to the uh, taking the uh, power line road out to this area where I saw this uh, huge craft was four and a half miles. And I thought it was a mile long from where we were, four and a half miles away. Wow. That's huge. And then we, uh, and then we drove around a little bit, and, uh, of course, we had a... <laughs> We didn't have a four-wheel drive, so we had to stop the car and walked around. But way up on one of the cliffs, uh, all, way off in the distance, you could see a big, a big square cuts into the side of these cliffs. And then when you look, uh, that was looking west. And then when you looked east, way up on top of the hill, I, I mean, it looked like it was a, a huge traffic light. And I'm thinking this is just too bizarre. <laughs> So. Well, it, that's really interesting. And in, in your book, you mention the ability of spacecraft to put out fires. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I have it in the, uh, again, it's on, the, of course, it's visual. Uh, Mr. Villa, uh, again, he would always hear a voice in his head. And, you know, if you, if, if you were just sitting down and somebody said to you, hey, uh, I want you to, you hear this voice and you're just by yourself and say, come on out then, uh, come out to the, the such and such place in the desert on such and such day and bring your camera and get pictures of our craft. And you think, well, you know, what's wrong with you? So uh, uh, yeah. this is how Villa, uh, Mr. Villa would be contacted. Now, this craft that he was asked to go out and photograph by the, uh, the occupants, of course, he didn't meet these particular people. Was a, again, it's a circular craft. Mm-hmm. Um, he was told it was 360 feet in diameter, and it came within. I'm trying to trying to recall. It was like a half a mile, of Mr. Villa. And underneath the craft was uh, the turbulence was so much, and the tree. You can actually see the tree bending, and it started a fire from this turbulence on the dry desert uh, it, uh, grasses or. or uh, what do you call them, the scrub brush and the tumbleweeds there. Mm-hmm. And they all of a sudden, um, uh, Paul didn't, uh, did not get the photograph of it, but he said a beam of light came down and put the fire out. And then wow. he said it was just amazing, but they wouldn't come closer than a half a mile because of the, because of the turbulence of the craft. It was so powerful. So they have a technology that would do that. And I'm thinking... You know, where other people have thought, you know, why don't they get in touch or our government people? Because, you know, this our Western U.S. is on fire out there. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to say California could use that technology every summer. <laughs> it's Washington, yeah. Wyoming. Yeah. So interesting. Now, I wanted to ask a question about something that I read in your book. And it's about how extraterrestrials are actually helping Earth by keeping it steady what does that mean um because we're <clears throat> one of the things that we're going through we're the, the our solar system since even even nasa uh, um, uh came upon this in the in the uh i think it was 1994 our solar system is going into is is being moved the whole system to a different area which is which a lot of people have been saying we're going into a 
higher vibration frequency, mm -hmm. the planet, our planet and all the other planets. So this is all, all moving at the same time. And <clears throat> because of the stress factors that are on the planets, they're supposed to, supposedly, I've never seen them all, <laughs> supposed to be like a million craft up there some, where they're trying to keep this planet together from destroying itself during this move. It would be wow. like if you ever seen a move an old house on TV where they got to jack it up and yeah. they, you know, they're all worried about the walls crumbling. <laughs> Very similar, okay. similar to that. Only the, they keep trying to keep the planet uh, in, in one condition so it doesn't go. Not saying it's not going to crack, but this is what they're trying to do. And who, who are they? Uh, other ETs, mm -hmm. uh, other space space uh, people who who travel here, and that's their job. They're mostly volunteers, from what I when we I've been told. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's actually that's actually pretty darn <laughs> darn interesting uh, <laughs> that they would come here to help us out to make sure we don't just kind of implode or explode, I guess, and fall apart. Um, There's two theories to this whole, uh, to, from what I see, besides the, uh, the movement of the solar system going into a different plane. Uh, between uh, Uranus and Neptune, there's a huge astronaut debris. I mean, um, oh, God, thank the, the debris from the planet that mm -hmm. exploded. They're like uh, asteroids. Okay. Now, this planet had people on it at one time, I don't know how long ago, very similar to what we have on, down here, and they blew the planet up. Literally destroyed the whole thing from all the wars. And, the, and this is what, and this is another thing that they're concerned about. Okay. The same mentality that's here on this, on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. They don't do the same thing because there is a lot of interference with uh, uh, nuclear tests that have happened over the years uh, in, from our federal government, mm -hmm. and they have stopped it. And they don't. They said if this planet blows, it'll cause such a disruption in the solar system, and it just kind of just it'll just spin out of control and cause so much havoc throughout the uh, our Milky Way. So, so you're saying that they have already into some of the things we have done here on the on the planet with nuclear uh, to keep our to keep our ourselves from like destroying ourselves, basically. Correct. Correct. This is what we're we're hoping. And the the um, a lot of the people who um, not a lot of them that we that I actually know of, but uh, some of the people who through the colony in New Jersey who, who volunteered to come to move into, into this planet, didn't incarnate, I mean, just came in, came down as adults, okay. and, and got into a, uh, a community out, out in the, near the New Jersey Pine Barrens, and they're actually working, we're working within our space system to help, to try to help us out so we don't destroy ourselves. But this has been going on for 40, 50 years. Right. Well, do you think at some point that that you know it might get to the point where, you know, like we always ask, well, why don't they just come and show themselves? Why don't they just come land right in Washington? Can go talk to the president or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, do you think at some point uh, they might feel that, or, or is it your your opinion at least, anyways, that that at some point they might actually just come straight forward and 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 inter, you know like get involved and intervene where then the rest of the world will see them? Well, I think they already have. It's just that they don't tell us. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> Are she, 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 you're saying so you think they've already done that with the government, like not yes. the general population? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. I was just asking, like, you know, do you think that at some point they might just hit up the general population and say, you know, here we are to the further along get people's attention, I guess, I guess, you know, this. Yeah, kind of I, yeah, I, it could be, but they also could be afraid of a mass panic. I mean, we look, look what you see on TV and in the movies. I mean, we've yeah. been, been ingrained forever. Who, who would want to get in touch with one? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> That is so true. Be freaking out nine foot tall like people going, Hey, how's it going? We're from another planet. That's right. You're like, what the heck? Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Maybe they, hey, maybe they put them on the cereal box. You never know. You know, it could happen. Absolutely. The Wheaties, you know? <laughs> <laughs> them. Yeah. yeah, really. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. Finish what you're no, going to say. Just, I was just going to say that the uh, uh, what they're – a lot of what they're doing now. I know there's there's one particular craft that I that I saw, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I saw twice in uh, seven years. The uh, it was in had something to do with the weather on this planet, and I and I still haven't been able to get the a true answer on what they were doing, uh, uh, how they were controlling or dealing or, or doing something with our weather weather patterns. Really? So you, they they were. They were involved in the actual weather itself, like controlling. Yeah, yeah, controlling, making the weather go. It's a huge storm that I saw once when I was fishing, and I looked out into the horizon. I looked east, east the storm was coming from the west, heading east, and I looked, and then all of a sudden I said, "Oh, I'm going to get destroyed. I'm going to come out on the beach, surf fishing." You know? Yeah. And it got black, and the clouds. I mean, it was just one of those horrific-looking storms. And I thought, "Oh man, I'm going to get. I can't even get to the car. It's just not worth." It. I just stood there. Wow. And, uh, and I and then I looked out in uh, east over the ocean, and there was this huge. I don't know how many miles long craft sitting out there, but mm-hmm. and the storm went up the beach. It like it just stopped and just went up so i don't know if they were involved with the storm i mean that's that's the only thing i can think of yeah right all right here's what i want to do let's let's we we used to take a break at the top of the hour so we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're just going to pick your brain for a lot more stuff because cheryl you still have like what 499 questions 4,099 yeah questions left so (laughs) (laughs) So we're gonna we'll be right back this is paranormal underground radio in the dark you're listening to us on the hazy radio network we shall return are you looking for a show of the paranormal in a different light? A show that shoots straight from the hip? A show where the knowledge of paranormal is number one? Then join Rick Hale, former co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio, for his new show, Common Sense Paranormal. Where paranormal straight talk is what it's all about. Every Thursday night from 9 to 10 Eastern, right here on the Hazy Radio Network. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. 
I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at AuthorKarenFraser.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ed Council. Hey, this is Steve Bishabi from The Dead Files. You're listening to Paranormal Underground in the Dark. If you'd like to be a guest like that, well, if you'd like to be a guest, well, we have a guest. This Woo-hoo. is Paranormal Underground Radio Welcome in back. the Dark with your host, me, Chucky G, and my crazy sidekick who's pushing the wrong buttons <laughs> over there, Cheryl Knights. Yeah. And, of course, our wonderful, awesome guest, Mr. Dave Campioni, author of UFO Spacecraft Identification Manual, amongst other things, of course. Um, so we were we were having some good uh, chit-chatting here. Um, so let's continue. Cheryl, would you like to start off with a question of your own, or should yes. I just jump right in? Yeah, I would. My head is actually spinning. I've got so many questions that go in all okay. sorts of different directions. So I'm just go. gonna I'm just going to say one. Um, David, you were talking about an extraterrestrial colonization in New Jersey that your dad came across in the 1960s. And, um, can you, do you know if there are any of these other types of colonies around the U.S. or even around the world? That, uh, no, I don't know. Uh, the only thing I know is, is the one in New Jersey. Um, in fact, it was in the, uh, early, early to mid-1970s, after my dad made this public of where, not exactly where it was, but but just gave a general area of the New Jersey Pine Lands is what he did, the Pine Barrens. It's Mm -hmm. it's like 500,000 acres of of scrub pines and sand and, and a few rivers. And in the local in the local media in in Philadelphia and in New Jersey, uh, and then the young lady from the Anchorette, as I call her, of from Channel Ten, it was mm-hmm. at the time, and her producer Janice, all four of us. She wanted to go out and see this, convince my dad to take her out there. So we all mm-hmm. all four of us got in the car, and we my dad drove us out there. And uh, we drove through the community, and it just looked like a actually a little retirement community, small homes, maybe thousand square feet uh, on on a slab. Maybe some of them had basements that didn't get in any any houses. 
And then we drove through a little bit through the community, and he said, well, we're going to go down to the store. And we drove about halfway through the community. It was a dirt road, and he turned uh, left on that and drove about, ooh, I don't know, quarter mile, third of a mile, and came to this little like convenience store in, in the woods. And it had a had a wooden sidewalk walking up, and it had the wooden porch with the hand uh, the wooden rails, like you know, like a hitching post almost. And it was said on a sign, it said "General Store." Mm-hmm. Well, and this is like uh, I don't know, it must have been one o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday or two o'clock, between one and two. And we went in and grabbed a drink, and because it was a little warm, and we came out, and all of a sudden we heard this noise. These noise was like, what? What is all this noise coming through that through the woods? And down the road, through the woods, a dirt road, thirty children running and on bicycles were just running. Just came down to the store and were just running around in circles and having a good old time and laughing and saying hi and just. How's everything going? And the kids, all, all different ages. I don't think anybody was over 12 years old. They look like between 5 and 12 years of age. And, and the, the older, uh, the gentleman, the old man who owned the uh, general store, he came out and told the kids to get on out of here. And all <laughs> the kids left. And it was just, we all four of us just looked at each other like, what the heck just happened here? <laughs> wow. Because when we drove in, we never even saw any children. Well, what do you think was going on there? No idea. Mm-hmm. No idea. Either they were in their houses, uh, but they should have been in school. Mm-hmm. There are schools. Like, they had, there was a school day, and that's why uh, we went out so there wouldn't be any, it would be less uh, uh, less people around when we went there. So it was, uh, we don't know. We had no clue. It was just funny. And then when we drove out, we didn't see any of the children when we left. <laughs> well, that is a mystery for sure. It, it really was. Um, now, 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 the other yep. mystery, which got to this one, to the area, uh, my father was doing somebody, uh, people, well, few people had contacted him because seeing the flying saucers landing spacecraft out in the Pine Barrens near where this community is. But unbeknownst to him at the time, he didn't know about this community. That's how he found the community. And him and uh, him and uh, uh, another man who used to go on some of the uh, uh, searches with him and do some of the research in the in the field. They they were walking through the woods where a craft was, or or legend, which they said was a craft. They even have a Geiger counter, which they would take readings from the radiation from the from some of the craft. <clears throat> and now the man that was with my dad, he said he reached down into the into the, uh, I don't know, the leaves and picked up this ring. <laughs> and this ring was just this huge gold ring and I don't, I, I don't recall the insignia on it. Um, I don't know if I even saw it, but I or I, I don't remember what it, what the actual insignia was on it. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> my dad was friends with a man who was a psychometrist and he got in touch. He invited him to the house and invited, you know, and they had the ring there. This was like a month later or something when they could get all get together and the psychometrist held the, the ring in his hand and he goes whoa this thing is really he says I don't know if you want to keep this but he said this ring is from yada yada place in the universe and the and the person who had it was some high priest and the, 
these people that, that said that they landed killed this guy and took his ring and they lost it out here in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened to the ring? I, I guess as far as I know, the man who had it, it was it was his. He found uh, it, so it was his ring. I, I just don't have no clue whatever happened to it. Maybe his son has it now. I don't know. I don't even remember the man's name. I, I wasn't that involved with it. So I have to ask, just because we're talking about the New Jersey Pine Barrens, um, uh, <clears throat> is there any relation to extraterrestrials and the Jer Jersey Devil? Not to my knowledge, no. Okay. No, most, oh, of, most of the Pine Barrens were the uh, the Jersey Devil. Uh, my understanding of it is, I used, I used to photograph the original uh, the descendants of the uh, of the Pine Barren people. King George in 1760 opened the prisons in Philadelphia and gave them the, gave them Southern New Jersey. And what they did, there were nobody went in there, so there was a lot of intermarriage and a lot of interbreeding, and, and this is what I think is what the Jer New Jersey Devil is all about. Oh. See, I was going to ask okay. that question too. You just took that question from me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's just teasing you. It's okay. No, I was curious though. I was just wondering, you know, because you know they always talk about um, not not just aliens being here, but like. Uh, animals or creatures of you know different planets being put here like chupacabra stuff like that yeah. so you know that's I, I, to me it would have made perfect sense sort of like um what about black eyed kids you know what i mean we've yeah. talked about that and being mm -hmm. maybe possibly uh alien also in origin so uh there's interesting connections well with the fact that you said how many how many different species or how many uh, he, my dad had figured about 150 different uh, people were visiting the planet would come down here. That's crazy. I mean, that's just literally that's crazy if you really think about it. Now, so what what do you think about the uh, since I'm going to ask you about this, uh, where they talk about you know UFOs going underwater, like going underwater to bases and stuff like that. Do you think there's any? Uh, What's your thoughts on that, or you know, or, or is that it, just stories, or? Well, <laughs> it's interesting you ask that question. Um, when I uh, lived in South Florida in the West Palm Beach area, I used to do lectures down there uh, on, on through my, my slide presentation. There was a man that uh, we met. He was an elderly gentleman, and uh, we met his uh, very young wife. He was from Germany. And what he was doing, after he retired, he sold his printing business in Germany and made, I mean, you know, I guess for a couple million or something. And he was traveling around the world, and he was in the U.S. right at the time, in the late 1980s. Doing the, I'm, get, I'm getting to your question here, Chuck. That's okay, yeah. He was uh, do, looking for the ley lines, which are all over the different parts of our planet. Mm -hmm. And the hotel he was staying in, and um, I, I don't know whether it was Fort Lauderdale or, or, or in the, it might have been the Fort, Lauder, Fort Lauderdale area. And uh, he said they were sleeping, and he, he woke up, and he looked down. Something woke him up. There was a light coming in. It's like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And he had a balcony on at his hotel room. And he, he looked, he walked out to the balcony, he looked, and there was a flying saucer out, hovering out over the ocean, a few hundred yards out, 
maybe, oh, I'm trying to think uh, what he said, maybe 100 feet in the air, and there was a uh, light plank, you know, like a, a, a walkway from the craft to the balcony. And he's looking at it, and he got this feeling like, what am I supposed to do? And, and he got heard this voice and said, well, climb over to the railing and get on and walk out to the craft. Okay. So Yosef did. <laughs> and he went into the craft. It was a circular craft, and I do not recall the dimensions, mm-hmm. the size of the craft, or where they were from. He said they went, and then they took, they took off. Went and headed wherever. He couldn't see where they were going. They just took off. And he said the next thing that they did, they stopped. The spaceship stopped. And they they were, he said they were doing some motions on a console. And, they were, and he asked him, well, what are you doing? He said, well, what we're doing is we're creating a cylinder down in the water. You know, like if you had a glass, mm-hmm. uh, they call it a coffer dam, so the water okay. can't rush in. Mm-hmm. He said they were creating this out of ice or glass. I, I presume, I don't know, it must have been glass because if it was ice, it would have melted down in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Big enough where the craft went down this tube and down to a city underneath in the ocean. <laughs> this is Joseph's story. Wow. Yeah, and he had he had illustrations of what it looked like down there and how people how they survived, how they grew food, and it's just pretty fascinating. So so yes, I from what I was told, yes, I can believe it. The wow, guy was quite credible. He was a very credible individual. That's pretty cool. We have a question in chat from Bob. He, he's asking, considering there are to be 150 species visiting Earth, do you think we are like a wildlife preserve attraction for these alien visitors? No, I I don't think so. I just think they just like to. Uh, I mean, if it was me, it's a beautiful planet. I mean, when you look at it, so it's like the marble of the of the solar system. I don't know about the universe, but or maybe even the Milky Way. Uh, maybe they just come down and just just take a look at it. Uh, in the in the back of my book, there's a. Uh, let me get it right here. I'm sorry because I and I actually met this man a couple times. Uh, okay. Uh, where is he? He's uh, a man named Albert Coe. Okay. And uh, it's on 82, page 82. It's called The Shocking Truth Truth UFO Contact, the account. Made contact in 1920, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting, um, interesting read and uh, interesting man because he's passed on now. From 1920, he made a contact up in Canada. Uh, he helped save the guy, and he was down here fishing. And the guy got hung up in a rocks. His ankle was dangling upside down, and he slipped on the rocks. And and uh, it was in the middle. I mean, 1920 in Canada. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Such, such a remote area. I mean, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Coe had helped this young man free himself, but he they would come down here and fish. <laughs> they would come down here and fish. Fish. He loved fishing. <laughs> he had he had his little because he when he said to Albert after Albert freed him up and he he says he says you got to help me get to my my uh, my ship and and Albert says what are you talking about we're out here he's like miles from nowhere in the wilderness he says mm-hmm. yeah I got my ship over here in a clearing 
and uh, Albert helped him get over there because he mangled his leg, his ankle so bad the bone was out. It was bleeding profusely. Oh my gosh! You know, it was just one of those n- nasty things. Yeah. And uh, he was actually hanging upside down in a crevice of these boulders that he was trying to cross. Mm-hmm. And Albert, when he got to the ship, Albert said he, he somehow the craft opened up. Or he got the door open, or Albert went in, and he there was some kind of. Um, you know that Star Trek thing that Beverly Crusher uses? Yeah. Uh, well, something similar to that and and healed his foot up. This is 1920. Wow. <laughs> it's a fascinating read of uh, of this particular uh, race and where they came from and what they're doing with their craft. It's, that Albert was told it was, uh, what, 19 miles in diameter and as tall as the chrysler building in new york which is about 700 feet tall Mm -hmm. 19 miles in diameter that's huge (laughs) and he said they had the whole uh ecosystem on there for food for for agriculture for cattle Mm -hmm. if people are uh uh, meat eaters and vegetarians and their own water system i mean it's just phenomenal It's, it's an excellent uh you can download stuff off the internet at one time i went into um I didn't realize he had a book out that somebody else put out. And it was like $1,800 for a book. And I said, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, that's, do you think, now, all right, well, you know, you have all these, you know, you t- talk about a, uh, alien races and they all have all this advanced, it's like how they can heal themselves and stuff like that. So it's kind of like two questions. First, do you think, do they look at us as like an inferior species, do you think? Or... Uh, you know what I mean? Um, no, no. I just think we're just developing. Like every everybody has to develop. Right. Okay. And we're just hey. in a developing stages, and uh, hopefully that they're, they're trying to, um, you know, they're trying to use intuition and, and help us along. If you don't, if you don't accept the full contact, they can mm-hmm. give you intuitions. Right. Well, do, do you think that do you think they have shared certain things? With us, whether it's just through the from the government, you know, like, like, why wouldn't they share? Like, if they have this way of healing themselves and stuff like that, why do you think that wouldn't be something they might want to share with us so we could take care of like disease and stuff that you know we have here on this planet? Money, <laughs> money, money. Greed. Not not them, but us. I mean, look at this planet here. The pharmaceuticals, what it costs. I mean, it's just a huge industry. Okay. So in other words, they could have shared, but we're we're not going to let that out because that well, would just kill. Yet. Like, yeah, I guess it, maybe eventually they they will do that. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't know when it'll happen, but um, it's okay. Well, I guess I guess that makes sense. You know, why don't they make cars out of titanium? Because then you wouldn't be able to, you know, you wouldn't have all the parts you need. People need to sell the parts, and you know, there's just so much as far as industry, as far as jobs and all that kind of stuff. I get it, but you know. It, um, uh, my wife said to say something here to the other. She told me yesterday that uh, hmm. she was reading on the on the net somewhere that they uh, during the Roswell crash that they they captured some kind of uh, silicon chips and they went to Bell Labs for all the research in in the forties. Mm-hmm. So so who knows what you know? This could be why we're able to do this with uh, with Skype. <clears throat> Oh, okay. So, you, yeah, you could say that they've inter- yes. it's kind of intertwined yeah, with us already. We just don't realize it because we think it's us. 
percent yeah, absolutely right yeah gotcha okay so let's 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 talk about your books some as far as like the different i want to i don't want you to tell me every single craft in there because then people won't buy the book but i mean i need to hear like versus just the uh cigar like the, the typical cigar shaped or the you, you know the the disc shaped ones are there some really odd ones you might want to discuss with us uh, some yeah, odd shaped ones there's one that's it looks like a like a dolphin or a porpoise kind of with a with a, a propeller on top, which which makes no sense to me. But there was a lady who uh, I think she I think it's from Maple Shade, New Jersey, who who was a newspaper uh, deliver. She would deliver newspapers in the morning. That was her business, and this is what she saw. Hover, I mean, just going along right above uh, the power above the trees because uh, the trees are a little bit taller than the power poles. Mm-hmm. Right? particular area and uh she, that was her description of what she saw just traveling you know 80 or 100 miles per hour so no, <laughs> no fear no fear no animosity nothing you just saw it and said okay so right. <laughs> well, you know what are you gonna do <laughs> i don't know man i i think i'd be like taken back and be like i i think i just saw a flying porpoise ship flying by <laughs> that's not really sure it looked like you know you would be just like oh look flying porpoise yeah it's good all right carry on you know i'd be like i'd be a little bit freaked out about it you know I, but to, uh, me, to me the most fascinating one i mean all of them are but the most phenomenal one in in the book is the uh the teardrop shape sitting on top of the rca victor building in cherry hill new jersey which mm-hmm. is 400 feet in length with 100 feet windows on it <laughs> wow and that's yeah. it's amazing well it's just amazing that some of these ships are just so gigantic in size yet they can go unnoticed you know what i mean yeah yeah so they like, could appear and uh, not appear yes exactly so all right so another question for you yeah all right e- abduction Let's talk about alien abduction, shall we? Um, so, since a lot of the the things we've been talking about are where they're conversing with us or working with us or helping us even, um, do you think it's just because they're the different races that, that go about doing abducting people to study us? Or, you know what I mean? Uh, what do you think about that in general? Yeah, in general, I don't. I really don't believe in them. Uh, the abductions, myself. I, oh, okay. Uh, I, anything that that has happened to people. I mean, I'm sure things have happened to people. I think it's perpetrated by our government. That's that's my opinion. I feel that our U.S. government uh, creates that uh, fear, wants people to be afraid of getting a uh, contacting an extraterrestrial craft or extraterrestrial beings. Because they may learn something. Oh, so you're saying that they're throwing in the fear factor with the with the probe, <laughs> the <laughs> probing and such, which would scare me anyway. So, yeah. um, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I never, I never really thought about that as being something just that our own people would be using for us to be afraid of, uh, or, you know, to justify us not trying to make contact with them. Yeah, there were there was a uh, uh, the two two gentlemen at the shipyard in Pascaloosa, uh, Alabama. I guess it was in the seventies. Uh, I can't remember Wilburn. I don't know, it wasn't Wilburn Orville, but it was 
I don't know, the two gentlemen, and they said they were, <laughs> the space being came, and he had all this, this special uniform on and everything, and, you know, it was just, as far as we were concerned, it was a hoax by perpetrated by the government. For whatever reason, I don't know. Wow. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just like uh, Dr. Hynek used to, was telling the people in Michigan, they saw swamp gas when they, when they all saw the flying saucers out there. I mean, you know, come on. Cut, cut them some slack. You know, the people aren't that stupid, but this is what they, it's the public relations that they put out there. <laughs> swamp so, gas, I like that one. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit on, on break about your experiences with um, pushback from the U.S. government on your research and and, and such. Can you talk about that um, as far as w the types of pushback you've gotten? Who pushed back? And have you ever had any encounters with the infamous Men in Black? Yeah, other other than the uh, MIBs, as I used to tell my dad, uh, um, you know, if they if they come if they come through the door, you know, just uh, just grab the shotgun and you'll be. Uh, <laughs> You know, whoever they are. I mean, you know, who who knows who they are? They could be regular CIA people just trying to throw fear into people. Um, the uh, uh, the CIA. That well, let me let me go back a little bit. I I, I got a, a position, uh, vice president treasurer of a small photographic firm back in the in the seventies in northern New Jersey, and. <clears throat> The, the owner of the company was uh, had had problems, and her psychiatrist um, at the time it was in the in the early seventies and even in the late sixties. Now I don't I don't know much about licensing with uh, with that type of work, but he held seven licenses for seven different states. And I didn't even know he could do anything like that, but apparently he he was able to, which they figured out he he part of, he was possibly CIA. He would get he would he came to us. He had a lady who who thought she was crazy. Um, she would lived in Massachusetts, and she would set a uh, super eight, super eight movie camera, maybe eight millimeter. I can't remember. They came out super eight came out around that same time. And she would set it on her back porch <clears throat> and run it with a stop motion uh, timer on it and then process the film. And she would have, as they called it back then, artifact on the film. And we got a hold of the film because we were able to, well, because of my boss <laughs> working with the, with the psychiatrist, he gave it. He got us a film, and I would make the uh, the stills, the eight by tens, from those little teeny frames, and uh, uh, it got to the point where it was just so laborious and expensive that well, we thought we would go to Nikon and have them create a special uh, larger lens for the in the dark room for the enlarger we were using. So we could ex expand it and do it on a regular, uh, regular uh, photographic easel, and they wanted back in '72. They wanted a hundred thousand dollars to create this lens, and we decided, well, we it would be cheaper. So we went to Kodak, and <clears throat> I gave them a, a a situation on how we could do this, and so we, so they created, which came out later. Uh, I don't know if you you know what the old. Um, uh, screens were for viewing slides on where you would pull them up their little tripod legs mm -hmm. yes 
yeah, to reflect. They had lenticular lines on them. So when we used to project on there, you photograph, and now you got all these lines behind your image. So they created a uh, a screen made out of one piece of aluminum, which is perfectly smooth. The way they created it was phenomenal. So we could photograph, run the movie film, stop the frame, and then uh, uh, photograph off the screen. And well, anyway, this got involved in doing it. And then there were some people who, through the um, the, uh, the psychiatrist, he he said he had some friends who wanted to see what Mr. Villa was photo had photographed in New Mexico. And then I went over to, I uh, was invited over for a Sunday dinner at at this house, and we projected that particular photograph on the wall, six foot wide by eight feet, um, and they were. They were scrutinizing it with magnifying glasses. That particular, they they were just uh, stunned that this thing was looked real. And I said, "Well, it is real. <laughs> They're real, real beings, and it's from a, a far, far away galaxy." To, to quote, quote Star Wars, and um, they uh, uh, that was they were they were jealous. I told them they were jealous and envious that I could talk about it, and they couldn't. And they had to keep everything uh, quiet, and, and why, why are you always debunking people? And they, they just wouldn't respond. It was just a weird, weird situation uh, that I uh, dealing with them. And that was the last time I ever dealt with them. And then once in South Florida, there was um, a little UFO group down there, and they wanted to see my these, – these guys were so excited because they heard about the slides that I had. And they were just go get to the good ones, get to the good ones. And I said, well, they're all good. And I said, no, the close-ups. So we got to the close-ups, and these these people actually got a little nervous. <laughs> Why I don't know. <laughs> they got very nervous. I said, it's just a, it's just, it's just a, it's just a spacecraft. They didn't harm anybody. They're they're not allowed to harm anybody. They have they have uh, directives that they have to follow. Also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, my, my, I had a question about um, connection to the Bermuda Triangle and kind of like, yeah, lately you've seen these, now some of them of course are, are hoaxes, but pictures of people uh, dressed in different garb for the time that they're in the picture of and you know, with, we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle and, and uh, you know, where people disappear and, and they s- supposedly say, you know, they're maybe they're picked up by crafts of other worlds and then they're just brought back later. What's your what's your thought process on that whole uh, thing? Sort of like Close Encounters, you know what I mean? Well, the what I what I have in the book there, my dad got the information from the uh, <clears throat> from the people. It was a gentleman from California flew a. Well, it was half a dozen psychics to Florida, and uh, they went out. They rented a, a, a yacht, and they, with a captain and a crew, and they went. They went around to special areas, and their findings. The psychics, you're out there a few weeks, uh, was that, or the findings from what was given to everybody when they came back, that there were the pyramids that were from the Atlantean age that were still putting out energy fields. And they were in a cycle of every 28 days or 29 days. And then if there's a ship or or a uh, an airplane, these ener- this huge blast of energy would go off, and out would go the uh, the the electronics, and the planes would just uh, they wouldn't know where they were as portrayed in the in the movies uh, on how they disappeared until they ran <clears throat> until they ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. 
But the weirdest thing is why the ships are found floating, <coughs> excuse me, with everything on board, I mean, area, but no people. And that's, yeah. that's strange. I don't know much about that at all. Now, somebody could have taken them. I, I, I couldn't prove it. I, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't know. But well, you got to you got to realize with these, which we let me let me jump back to uh, their previous segment on mm-hmm. on the advancements of the different craft. Let's say this is uh, 1830, and we're not skyping, but the three of us are sitting around in the uh, or standing on the, at the uh, outside the Long Branch Hotel in Dodge, Kansas, with uh, Matt Dillon as sheriff. And all of a sudden, a Lamborghini appears. Okay. Then what? What? Yeah. Could, could, I mean, could you imagine how? Yeah. You could, we couldn't even. You couldn't even back engineer something like that. A, a 2015 event. The Lamborghini shows up in 1820. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Like when I've when I've seen these pictures, where it's like, what the, you know, like you can see this person's dressed in garb, like from our time, but mm-hmm. yet they're way back, and you can see them fitting with a no. You know, of course we we can doctor up photos all day long. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I just found, found it fascinating that you know if there if if you thought there was any truth to the uh, the that whole close encounters of a third kind process, you know, where people from the the planes that were missing, you know, they come back and stuff like that. I just thought that would be interesting. And I found it interesting also that you made mention of they have directives and they're not here to harm us, but Correct. to just work with us, per, per se. Well, you yeah. know, because that's, that's the the misnomer, uh, you know, that they, they're just here. Like when we talked about uh, going back even farther, when they talked about, you know, picking us up and probing us and cutting us open and, and implanting us with things and stuff like that, um, versus your 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 comment of them, they're just working with us. You know what I mean? Kind of the same thing. Um, do you think? But all right. So if 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 they're still working with us and stuff, do you think that they do this like the implant things? Do you think they do that for any particular reason? I mean, not that it would harm us or anything like that. But um, I don't know. I I met one person in South Florida uh, back in in, the, in the eight, 1989, and he said he was an abductee and he had an implant in his nose. And I said, "Well, you have any X-rays?" He goes, "Well, I'm still waiting on it." I said, "Well, how long ago was the the implant?" He said, "About a year." And I said, "It's taking a year to get an X-ray." I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, as I say, well, we know our system's a little slow and all, but I mean, you know, That's, wow. I mean, do you need the money for an X-ray? I'll give it to you. You know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I mean, you know, you see these shows where you know, the guy's taking out the the metal implants, and this is from an alien species and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's interesting. Now, do you think that? And you said that you talked about were they colonized in one area on the planet? Do you think there are hybrids? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I didn't even want to. No, I wouldn't consider. I just think that they, um, uh, they just mix the mix in with the people and just look like normal. You know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you or Cheryl could be one, and I wouldn't know. Cheryl, are you a hybrid? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's why she got so worried when I was talking on the radio. Now it makes sense, David. 
you, I mean, you you don't. I mean, that's their whole the whole thing. You don't don't let somebody know. You know, there are secrets that you keep. You don't be like. Can you imagine if you if well if somebody walked up to you or walked up to me and said, "Hey, I'm a I'm from." Uh, you know the Pleiades, and I'm going. Oh yeah, okay. What are you smoking, or what kind of <laughs> what kind of drugs are you? I mean, we. This is what this is our thought process. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, don't, we don't know, and I. I guess it's a good thing that they don't know. You know, we shouldn't know that. But uh, let me tell you a little story that um, might might find fascinating. So, I was uh, love fly fishing, or used to when I years ago, and. We see uh, friends of mine that I grew up with. We would go up to the. This is another story in that same area. <laughs> um, we used to go to the area uh, in the Upper Delaware River, uh, where New York. I mean, where Pennsylvania goes in the far northeast corner and it hits the Delaware River and then cuts over, and then you have <clears throat> New York State in a, a town called Hancock, New York, and then south of Hancock, about 15 miles of. of uh, is another little town called Equinock, if you can believe that. I think a population of six or something. And it has a bridge crossing over the Delaware River. Well, my friends and I, every once in a while, well, every year, we try for years to, uh, on Memorial Day, we would go up and, and do fly fishing. We would get to this town in Equinock, uh, park the vehicles, canoe down the river for three miles. You're basically in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody around. And, and just set up camp and, and fish out of there for a whole week. Well, one, one time in uh, 84, <clears throat> I decided to, uh, we said, well, let's try the fall fishing. So prior to going up there, with a week before the actual uh, trip, mm-hmm. there was these flying saucers being sighted in the area. And I'm thinking, that's pretty interesting. Maybe we'll get lucky. You know, I'm thinking, maybe I'll get lucky. I'll see a, a craft and uh, make a contact or something. But you, you'll really appreciate this story here. So anyway, we go up there. And uh, I go up first. And uh, I, I got my tent set up out on this little little peninsula on the, mm-hmm. Del- near, on the Delaware River. And then my friends came up the next day. <clears throat> and then we were we were paddling down. We would spot vehicles in the canoes and then canoe canoe down for about eight miles and fly fish uh, the whole trip down down to the camp. Well, the area that we always fished in the springtime, there was an island and the river went around it and then we joined it on the other side. A small island, maybe 100 yards by 100 feet. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was shallow rapids. And as I'm coming down, I was a lead lead canoe. It's probably a, I don't know, a couple hundred yards ahead of everybody else. And <clears throat> I looked up on a hill and you gotta you gotta realize this is the middle of nowhere, literally miles of there's nothing. And I look up on a hill and I see these two men with blue blazers, white shirts and a red tie and gray slacks and a and an SUV up there. And I'm thinking, what the heck is this? And I'm thinking, well it's a big crime scene. The only thing I could think of. So as I'm canoeing down and I look in there on the island, because uh, the rapids, I pull my rod in, uh, there's four people on that little island. And in the area, I went to the left, and there was a man standing uh, right right where I went right past them. And there was a lady on the, on the, on the river bank, on the main bank. And then there were a couple other people dressed in 
fly fishing equipment like the uh, gear like they just wa- walked out of an Orvis magazine or catalog. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, "How's the fishing?" And I said, "I said I got the wrong flies, and they're they're doing uh, you know things are things aren't going right." So anyway, I just you know I went on by. I didn't think anything of it. It was just people fishing, but it was just these people that were up on the hill had me more concerned. So I canoe down to where my tent is. And it gets real shallow, and these three men, all dressed in their beautiful fly fishing outfits, come out into the water towards me. There were guns on their hips, and all I had, because I never took a gun up to, uh, with me in New York State because of the uh, laws, but I had my knife, and mm-hmm. it was reaching for my knife because I figured I'm going to get killed up here in the middle of nowhere. and. And these guys come out, they grab my canoe and they drug me up onto the thing. And I said, man, they started shaking my hand. They said, well, who are you? And I said, well, I told them who I was. They said, they said well, how long have you been here? I said, oh, you know, just a couple of days. They said, why? He said, well, that man on the island up there was President Carter and his wife, Rosalind, were fly fishing in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. And these guys were he said you have no idea what the secret service did to your your chevy blazer over here inside in your tent and everything because because i had been in the white house seven years before that photographing in there mm-hmm. so i guess they figured i was okay but but it was interesting that president carter believed in flying saucers and wow. just prior to the trip going up there there was this flying saucer being sighted for a few days in the same area that they were fishing <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's uh, i don't know i just thought it was a pretty interesting story so that's pretty crazy <laughs> even the presidents believe i like that Absolutely, um, yeah well we're, we're, we're actually to the point of the show where we have to let you go but before that Yes. We always like to let people go ahead and promote whatever they have they would like to promote. So if you want to go ahead now, that would be a good time. Okay. Uh, if anybody cares for a manual, within the manual, excuse me, you can actually contact the Flying Saucer if you choose to. If you want them to contact you, well, this might this might save, uh, save you some time. There's a step-by-step process. Um, I know my father... Uh, had some young kids once in uh, in the neighborhood he lived in. Told him what to do, and the, the lady's mo- mother called my dad one night. So I, I mean, I know it worked. Uh, called him and says, uh, "Mike, you're going to take care of the uh, the laundry." He says, "What do you? Who is this? And what are you talking about?" He says, "Well, you told her my two my two young young boys had a contact, the flying saucer, and they and something came down towards them, and they crapped their pants. So you're going." So he, uh, so it's in the book. If you want to be able to contact somebody, you can. Uh, now it's up to them whether they want to get in touch with you, but mm-hmm. it shows you how you can do it. Uh, there's 53 illustrations of different craft uh, inside of a Venusian craft uh, that uh, uh, Mr. X Y Z he refused. Still, I wasn't allowed to put his name uh, in the book. He's, I think he's even though he's passed on, they, they still want him to remain anonymous. And um, that can be uh, purchased for a mere $6.95 on Amazon.com and also on Kindle. Uh, and there's, if you type in my name, David Campione, on Amazon, uh, up pops the book and also the, uh, the DVDs, which will give you an idea. And you have to be careful which one you order because it, 
let's see, North America's NTSB, and I forget what the uh, the rest of the world is on a different system. So you have to be you have to know which which system that we're operating on here. Okay. But uh, you can get it on Amazon. They're very inexpensive and uh, enjoy. And if you contact one, um, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> If if you want to take a ride and, and leave this place, if they want to take you, go. I mean, you know, you do whatever you want. You know, it's your life. That's cool. Well, David, I want to tell you, thanks very much for coming on the show. It was a very enlightening uh, show this evening. I got a lot of information I never had before. So okay. I do appreciate you coming on. Excellent. Excellent. Well, if you have me again, I'll talk about how they clean the water up in one of the reservoirs. So. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah, we'd like to have you again. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So... Thank you. All right, thanks. thanks, David. Thanks, David. You have a good night. Okay, you too. Thank you. All right, all right. Bye-bye. Well, there you go, Cheryl. I know you didn't get all your thousands of questions in. I'm sorry about that. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> Not, enough Not even close. Not even close. I know. But it was... What, some, Chance, this is about tweaking or twerking. I swear Miley Cyrus is an alien. Oh, for crying oh. out loud. Oh. Wow. No, I... um. David brought up at the end there a question that I had, and he he kind of covered it a little bit, but it was about how to make contact with UFO spacecraft, which I had never seen before in a book, and mm -hmm. so I was I was really interested in that. And also, he talks about the pre precautions you should take if you are going to do that, try to make contact. So um, yeah, that would yeah. probably be a good thing to have some precautions, like you know, a pair of underwear, um, <laughs> you know. Or, you know, diaper, or <laughs> just if you're going to crap your pants. But no, I mean, now I have to get the book because I want to see that. I, I, I'm i going to try that. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to try it. You're going to try it? it? Oh, you're brave. Yeah. You are brave. Heck, yeah, I can do well, that. It would be kind of cool to meet another race. I mean, come yeah. on, you know. If someone gave me a book and said, here, if you just do this, you can definitely 100% meet a spirit. They'll take you to the other side. You can visit for a while and come back. I'd be like, all right, how do I do this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, why not, right? I want to hear. Why? I want you to do this like tomorrow and then and then report back. <laughs> tomorrow? Well, I got to get the book first. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll put like a little tracker on me so in case, you know, you know yeah. something happens, you can find me. Yeah, seriously, go with a GPS. And I don't know how far that thing will work, but... <laughs> You know? yeah, really? Yeah, as soon as it just get out of our, our, our like orbit or whatever, that's all over. It's all done, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be any of any use. Why, you wouldn't do it? Would you do it? I, I'm too chicken. You too, too chicken? Too chicken, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would. No. Oh, man. Well, hey, it was. It, so, we have anything to talk about in the magazine or anything else you want to chit chat about? Uh, just uh, magazine business. We are hoping to get our August issue out um, here soon. And so, if you are interested in reading Paranormal Underground magazine, you can go to a few places to check it out. You can go to paranormalunderground.net, issue.com, or magcloud.com. And uh, and get a PDF or uh, an online uh, uh, read um, <laughs> or a print issue on MagCloud. So there's different ways to read it, and we appreciate our readers giving us feedback. So you can also email editor at paranormalunderground.net with any feedback. Yeah, as long as it's positive, folks. We don't want to hear like you know that Chuck guy really sucks at writing. We yeah, just email Chuck just directly at in the dark investigations. <laughs> 
Thanks. Send them right to my email on my website. <laughs> wonderful. That's just wonderful. I think I left something I out of that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. You left the last part out. I'm not filming it either. All right. Uh, I did. I did like the part you talked about with the psychics. <clears throat> you know, considering I am one, yeah. that um, you know how they would they figured out kind of what was going on the Bermuda Triangle. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And you you got me in the Jersey Devil because I was going to ask that question. Well, I wanted to know if there was a connection. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, because you never know what's mm -hmm. where things come from. So. Well, I, there's one thing I do know. I would never just go banging on David's door. Because <laughs> I'm going to call him David Shotgun Capioni. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because you'd be like, you'd be facing like a double barrel shotgun right in your schnoz, you know? I'd be like, okay, I am not the CIA. Please do not shoot me. Yeah, I mean, the whole, you know, MIB or government interference um, issue is pretty scary. And uh, I've, I mean, I I've heard a lot of stories that are really, really frightening. So, Well, yeah, and, I, and it's like I, I found it to, him to be very refreshing and interesting because, you know, normally it's like, oh, yeah, let's talk about the alien abduction and, you know, the probing and all this stuff. But to come back with, they're here to work with us and the good things they were doing i found that to be totally refreshing because you know like it's trying to save the planet um from you know being destroyed and, and maybe helping control the weather sometimes so things don't get so out of whack i mean you know i understand that our, our environmental things have to take their course you know unfortunately with tornadoes and such and uh but i mean i just found that to be an interesting side that i never heard from anybody before mm -hmm. would, you, would you agree or? i would i no. would agree um i yeah it it's very interesting i mean there are so many people who talk about alien abduction but who's not to say what's really going on there you know is it extraterrestrials is it some type of uh mind implant that mm -hmm. someone is putting in there for certain reasons that they want yeah, them well, to think know, a certain way Oh yeah, and it's like I never, I never like duh, ever think. Well, it could just be us doing that to keep us from making contact. It's like wow, like like if you see my hand, like just blew my brain right there. Like well, never thought of that. Yeah, I don't know what to think about it to be honest with you. Um, I think in October we're going to be having on Jane Pooley, who's a um, from Australia. She's a, a an abductee. Uh, experiencer and she has some interesting theories but um, she definitely thinks that she was abducted multiple times and um, so we can ask her more about specifically about who she thinks abducted her well she thinks the extraterrestrials did but what I'm right. saying is is that she also believes that they are they are not here, even though they're abducting people, they're not here to do harm. They're here to in integrate into okay. our society, actually. Integrate and live among us. And that they are creating hybrids because they want to live among us and fit in, essentially. So it's a little bit different take on, on it, but... Uh, but, uh, well, yeah, yeah, it kind of fits Bob's question about tweaking our DNA to advance us further along evolutionarily. Evolutionarily, lately. Yeah, um, and in fact, yeah, Jane was yeah. on Rick Rick's show the other week, and and one thing she said, I hope I'm not misquoting her, is that that many of us could already have extraterrestrial DNA. So, um, and it's just evolving and evolving over time. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Well, I mean, I could, but, but you know, like uh, Bob was just saying uh, on here that some abductions were from the government. Why? Why couldn't? Why couldn't we just mind mess somebody up thinking and making them think that that's what happened to them? I mean, come on, that is possible. But what's you know the what I mean? what's the real motive though for doing that? Well, the the motive of making him think that it's an alien thing was be what what uh, David said to to keep us from making contact, to keep us from uh, to keep them at a distance. I guess uh, maybe they don't want us connecting with them for whatever reason that might be. And I mean, I mean, that's the only thing I can see is not to have us be you know like what you say in this book. Hey, there's a way to connect to the alien races and have them come down and you can fly along with them and stuff like that. Uh, maybe they don't want us to know all that stuff. Yeah, I guess... Because then the more people that did it, the more we spread the word kind of a thing, you know what I mean? I guess mean? I just um, wonder, though, a lot of times it's people that have no interest in the subject, who never even thought about it, who are skeptics and they don't even believe in it. Why, mm -hmm. why, why those people? I don't know. That's a darn good question, Cheryl. I don't know. Maybe they just pick them randomly and say, let's just mess with their minds. We have nothing better to do. Let's just do it because we're the government and we can. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why does there always have to be a reason? I don't know. You know? I mean, it's, come on. There's no reason for when people just want up, run up to somebody in the street now and just punch them in the head. What the hell is that all about? Did you see that poor lady in the church got punched in the noggin? No, what poor lady in the church? Lays in the church, she's standing there with her little purse, she's gonna do her little prayer thing and two people walk into the church, one guy grabs her purse, the Aww. other lady walks out, just punches her in the head, right in right in the church and it runs out. Well that's not very nice. No. Just like when they walk up in the street and just punch somebody for no parent, not even robbing them. What's that They're called? Just... That's a, that was a new thing lately. What was that called when you do that? I don't, know, I don't remember what it's called. Chad it, I, when you anybody... just, they punch people and knock them down. What's that? What's that trend? What's what's that? What, it's like punch a and trend. run. What's it called? Punch oh, and gosh. run. I can't, I'm so mad at myself because I can't remember what it's called. Oh well. I can't remember it either. I know, uh, but it's like a. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like for they do it for fun. It's not yeah. for any. They yeah. don't rob them. They just do it because they think it's fun. Yeah. Okay. And then right. and, and and we wonder why aliens think we're stupid. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like watching this and they go, look at watch this human. He's just going over. Well, look, he just punched the guy in the head and ran away. No, no apparent reason. Yeah. yeah, we're on the primitive we're on the primitive scale of that one, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that. I, I would be no. that that would upset me if I saw someone do that to somebody. I'd be like, "What the heck is wrong with you, man?" Yeah, I don't get it. I don't either. But you know, maybe they're just running out of things to do. You know, I'm just I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. I'm just gonna run up and punch somebody. Maybe uh, they well, should about, just punch themselves. <laughs> well, yeah, why don't they just run up and hug somebody? Hey, there's a novel idea. There you go, but then I guess I suppose I suppose if you happen to hug somebody, then the other person might punch you because they think that you're doing something weird. So, oh, Chad gave me my answer. It's called the knockout game. Oh yeah, that's an awesome game, guys. Way to think up a really good game, the knockout game. Yeah. Wow. Well, just when you thought the human race couldn't get any dumber, there you go. <laughs> just on that note. <laughs> Yeah, this is Baz, the guy with the Thanks paper gun that was robbing the bank. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. But no, no, we have a, we have a lot of intelligent people too. So, but uh, all right, well, I guess it's is it that time already? Oh it is. God. Just next That's week, I uh, just want to talk about the guest real yes, quick. Go ahead. Go, go, go. Um, next week, August twenty seventh, we will be talking with Lynn Russell, author of The Wonder of You: What the Near Death Experience Tells You About Yourself. Oh, that sounds cool. I'm, yes. I'm up for that. 
Yeah, and then uh, September 3rd, we'll be talking to Daryl E. Berry Jr., author of Travel Far, a beginner's guide to the out-of-body experience. And he also talks about how to do, how to attempt the out-of-body experience in his book. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, I'm going to try that, too. Okay. First, I'm going to do the aliens, then I'm going to try the out-of-body. I've always wanted to do the out-of-body, really, honestly, so I want to check that out. That's cool. I might try that one. <laughs> oh, is that a safer one? That's a little, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You don't know if you I can't get back in your body, you're screwed. I, yeah, that's the only questionable thing. But Yeah, you're like, crap, I didn't read the other part about getting back in and I can't touch the book because I'm out of the body. Damn it. <laughs> All right, I may not try that one. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, 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 don't try it. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. All right. We'll do it together and we can meet up somewhere. That'd be cool. Oh, Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. This, All right is a, this is an experiment to come. All right. There you go, folks. Experiments on Paranormal Underground yes. Radio in the dark. Okay. So we're going to say goodbye now. I hope you enjoyed the show, even though I did miss Miss uh, K. Fraz, Miss Karen Fraser this evening. But I Cheryl, did too. You, I you're, you're a very Fraz. lovely sidekick. Oh, thank you. So were you. Pro. Well, thanks, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on the Hazy Radio Network. I am Chucky e. G. My sidekick was Miss Cheryl Knight, and we had a wonderful evening. Hope you did, too. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something 